I want to ask you if you can think quickly in your family or in your friendship circle or the people you work with, do you know of somebody that's the same like Pilate we saw here today? A person that's not a believer, a person who is doubting his faith a little bit. And we can see this in this video, how beautifully it was shown about Pilate not being sure what was coming next. And I think when we look at the story of Pilate, we only think about Easter. We only think about what has happened to Jesus at Easter. And I think if we look at Pilate, and this is where I'm going to spend most of my time with today, is that we all can think of somebody that knows a non-believer or somebody that is doubting their faith at the moment. And maybe, I'll be honest, how many of you in the room can think of somebody right now that is unbelieving or doubting their faith at the moment? I think there's quite a few of us in that sense. Some of you are here also doubting maybe what is happening in your faith journey. Now, what I want to start off with basically is saying this, that there was um, a time in, in the world where Christianity was a good thing. People became Christians. Christians was the, the people you look up to. But I've seen noted more and more and more that Christians are at war with each other. Churches are at war with each other, and Christ's followers are not treating each other with love. I want to give you this example. Now, Ryan gave me permission to share this, so I'm going to share this. We, we, we somehow got Ryan onto TikTok. Ryan is not a big social media fan, but pushed him a little bit. I do something, you know, you, you can reach so many people. You have such an influence, and I want to honor Ryan for that. He really does have influence. He really knows how to do sermons. He really knows how to speak to people in the truth in love. He knows that I am just like, I'm a storm train. You know, I just go straight for the jugular. So what did Ryan do? Ryan went onto TikTok and Instagram, and you can go and see it. And he spoke about a very interesting topic called tattoos. Oh. So what Ryan hasn't done is he hasn't read a lot of the comments. But preparing this sermon, I thought, hmm, let me go and see what the world says. And I am not shocked too much about the non-Christian believers. I think he got more positive news from the people who do not believe then our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, people calling him a false prophet, uh, going straight to hell, do not, take, do not pass go, you know, that type of scenario. And the hatred that was spewed amongst Christian community. And I was like, how can we reach the lost if Christians cannot even show love towards each other? And what I've seen is, and what I'm afraid of is that this church is becoming a cult where we only allow people that look like us, that think like us, that talks the same, that prays and worships the same. But I can promise you, if somebody walks in here that's a little bit different, this was probably part of the LGBT community, this was probably a prostitute or a thief or something like that, we would all put our attention on this person and we will say, why are they in church? The Marcus Eustace, the serial killers, whatever the case should be, I'm just using examples here. We would already judge them before they even take their seat at church. And I was like, okay, I, un- I get this. I understand we, we want to hold people accountable, but the way we're doing it is so intense. I want you to go and read the comments. And in my own life, I'm also a bit on social media. I also share quite a bit. I have been called names because of my tattoos. Apparently, I am demon-possessed and all these type of things. And that's okay. You learn a thick skin. But if you cannot, as Christians, show love to a fellow Christian, how are we going to reach the lost? And I'm really worried about this. And what I love about the story about Pontius Pilate 
is that when we look at him and the way Jesus interacted with him, we see how we must love unbelievers. We must see how we must love those who are doubting the faith. And I want to take five things out of this one conversation where we can see how Jesus showed him, Pontius Pilatus, love the doubters. Terry Neoff is a very famous Christian author, and he's been looking quite a bit at the health of churches in America more than anything else, but I do believe it's relevant to us. And what Kerry Neoff did is he said, well, I'm going to go to the non-Christians, those who do not believe, those who are struggling to believe, and I'm going to ask them, what are the three things you struggle to like about Christians? And he said there was three things that jumped out immediately for him. One, we judge. Off the floor we judge. We are judging people that's not even in the faith, that doesn't even know what Jesus is all about. We judge them immediately. We see preachers and teachers condemning unchurched people for their sexual habits, their preferences, their choices, and even their political views. And I doubt that's what Jesus had in mind when he came to earth. Secondly, he says we are very hypocritical. And I will stand here today and say, yes, I understand. I, I'm also a hypocrite. I don't always get things right. There's a reason why Louis Marais doesn't have a Love Just As You Are sticker on the back of his car. Because I would condemn taxis that would cut in front of me. But if I'm late for a meeting, I drive worse than the taxi. And then you think, oh, what a Christian. Look, he drives worse than the taxi driver. Such a hypocrite. But I would also say I'm a hypocrite. I've even noticed myself, I, I would condemn people who don't look like me, act like me, or think differently and go like, wow, these people, I don't know how they're ever going to get saved. And then the last thing is, we suck at friendship. Now I say suck, Katie Newhoff didn't say suck, I just use Louis language here. But I'm going to ask you, when last did you spend time with somebody that, that's different to you, that has a different skin color, that has not the same political views as you? That doesn't share your value system. When else did you spend time with a prostitute or a thief or a criminal? Because that's what Jesus did on this earth. And then non-Christians are saying this, and I'm like thinking, we are missing something here. I believe the reason why the world is struggling is because we are just making ourselves a gated community and no entrance needed. And I promise you, if you make one mistake, if you say one wrong thing, we do something very great. We excommunicate people out of our lives. And I'm like, okay, what do we do? And here's the good news this morning. I love how Jesus uses the word to correct us. Now, this sermon is more for me than anybody else here, to be totally honest. And I really hope you will look at Pontius Pilate now, not only in the Easter story, but also in the story of how to treat unbelievers and those who are doubting their faith. Because there's a lot. There's a lot of them in the world currently. We can see that. We find this interaction between uh, uh, Jesus and Pontius Pilate in John 18, verse 28 to 38. And I want you to go and read it a little bit. So I'm going to use pieces of that scripture and speaking into it. So what was happening is, for most of you, you do know the story. But Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate, the head of the Romans. And what the Jews wanted to do is they wanted to actually execute him. They wanted to kill him. But they brought him to a Roman emperor to do that, so not to do that, to give the final judgment. But here we see in the conversation with Pontius Pilate, you couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. You couldn't find anything to say, hey, this man is guilty. But what is nice about that conversation, Pontius Pilate's asking questions. And the way Jesus responded is what makes it so beautiful 
for us today. So let's look at that. The first point I want to bring out here is this. When I look at Jesus, when I look at the, the story of Pontius Pilate, it says that we need to love as a love must be a source of confidence for us. We must love out of confidence. We mustn't fake love. We mustn't say, yes, I love you, but meanwhile, we skin it a gossip. Sorry, when I get passionate, my English and Afrikaans don't translate so quickly. We have to have a source of confidence. And we see this with Jesus in John 18, verse 33 to 36. It says this, Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Somebody that's doubting now. Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own? Or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, uh, I'm not a Jew am I? Pilate replied, Your own nations and chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? And then Jesus replies, My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. Pilate was probably thought this man is crazy. What does he mean his kingdom doesn't have an origin yet? What does he mean that if he was the king of the Jews, they would come fighting for him? But Jesus did something very interesting yet. He was very confident in his answers. And he was consistent in those answers. So what that means for us is we need to be confident who we are in Christ. No matter the circumstances. We need to know the promises. And I'm going to share a few verses. That the confidence that Christ give us. And when the trials and tribulations come in your life, that you don't run away from the faith or doubt your faith or ask, is God real? Yes, Jesus, falsely accused in, to a person that's not even believing, that is speaking over his faith. And Jesus, yeah, what did he do? He didn't go like, oh, God, what have you done to me? Father, why this man of all people? He's such an unbeliever, such a hypocrite man. No, 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 no. He actually engaged with him in confidence. He says, this is who I am. You are a child of God. God has created you for a specific reason. And we need to be confident. So when the trials and tribulations come, we don't waver away from that. We stand and believe in that. We see in 1 John 3 verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. That is what you are today. I don't care, your, I don't care about your history. I don't care about what you're, what you're going through in, this, in that moment respectfully. All that I know is no matter who you are, your beliefs, whatever is happening in your life, you are a child of God because God has created you. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that makes you an heir to the kingdom. And we need to stand on that confidence. Not be cocky about it and say oh I'm a Christian look at me no 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 I am saying you must be confident knowing that if an unbeliever or a doubter comes you can be confident in your faith you do not have to worry about cancel culture you don't have to worry about excommunicado you, uh, you don't have to be a worry what people say about you and this is why I have respect for Ryan because he doesn't care about the comments I was like, what do you mean you don't care about the comments? You know why he doesn't care about the comments? Because he is a child of God. The reason why I don't care what people sometimes think of me, I do take criticism better these days, is because I know who I am. I'm in a child of God. And this sermon is not Louis' sermon. So if it goes right, I'm not celebrating it. If it goes wrong, I'm not crying about it because this is God's word. So I know who I am in Christ. You need to do that. You need to trust in the promises. Matthew 28 verse 20 says this, 
I am sure and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Our job as Christians is to love, not to convince. You are not supposed to convince a person to believe in Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's work. You are just to love and show love. But we love to go into these theological debates with non-Christians who do not even believe like us and tell them first they go to hell, then get saved. When Jesus is saying, no, 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 let's use Pontius Pilate. Let me engage with you. Let me show you the confidence I have in who I am. And let me show love. We don't know what happens to Pontius Pilate. We don't know what happened to him. But at the end of the day, it is not our job to convince people. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you that I use these verses at funerals. It says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not your history, what you've done, what you're struggling with, what the devil is telling you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. No things in the future, no things in the past, not even angels or things under the sea. There's a whole verse about this in Romans 8, if I'm not mistaken. And what we need to do is we need to understand that, that nothing can separate that from your love. You feeling unloved today? The Holy Spirit loves you. The Son, Jesus Christ, loves you. The Father loves you. And you can stand on that truth because His promises says nothing will separate you. Nothing will separate you. Nothing will separate you. And we need to trust on that promises. When we trust that, He will give us strength. He will feel our love for others. And then we can share the gospel. You know why you're scared sharing the gospel? Sorry, that sounds condescending. Well, you, I'll do this. I apologize. I apologize. Forgive me. You know why we're struggling to share the gospel? Because we're not sure who we are in Christ. You know why you struggle to go out to evangelism, outreaches? Because you're too scared to know who you are in Christ. You are too scared for my second point. And here's my second point. We need to create a love that engages with doubters and unbelievers. You're not supposed to wait for them. You're supposed to go to them. So what did Ryan do on his TikTok? Well, let's use tattoos and see what we get. And then he did a few replies, if I'm not mistaken. I've seen one of them. When he replied to some people's concerning questions, that's how you share the gospel. TikTok, can you believe it? I think it was over 2 million views, I'm just saying, in that sense. But we have to trust and we have to engage in that. John 18, verse 34 to 35. Are you asking this on your own? Or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, your own nation and chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Now, the normal Christian now starts freaking out because now they're questioning us about the Bible. They're questioning us about certain things. They're questioning about living together and LGBT and gender affirmation and all these things. So what do we do? I don't have an opinion about it. You must have an opinion about it. But the way you do it must be in love. I have learned the hard way. Never go on social media and try to debate people. Have the one-on-ones. Meet them face to face. But when you engage with them, you do it with respect. You do it with kindness. You do it with empathy. But because the way Jesus replied over here, what did he do? He was empathetic. He was kind. This is the same man who threw tables in the temple. It's the same man who was mad at the Pharisees, but here, a guy that's a non-believer, he had all the time in the world to answer him. There's a very famous verse that we all know in 1 Corinthians 13. And I think we sometimes miss the point of that verse. And we use it at weddings because it's a beautiful time at weddings and love is this and love is beautiful and the sparkling in the eyes. But that's not the only way we use love, 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read it to you. 
and the way we need to engage with non-believers. I want you to take the word love and put your name in there. And then afterwards we'll hand out flyers and you can rate yourself out of 15. No, we're not doing that. Okay. So let's go. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 7. How do we engage with non-believers and those who doubt? Love is patient. How patient are you? That's my biggest struggle. I'm still praying about it. If you want to pray for me, pray for patience. All right, I need patience. Not patience in the hospital, patience. Love is kind. Are you kind to unbelievers? Are you kind to those that's in the LGBT community? Are you kind to the prostitutes? Love does not envy. Are you envious of other people's successes? Are you envious that you would start um, speaking negative against them? The only way he makes so much money is because he's trafficking drugs or something. That's the only thing. Let's pray for him that his soul will be saved. Love is not boastful. Are you promoting Jesus or are you promoting yourself? Love is not conceited. It doesn't act improperly. When lost did you flew off the handle when you saw something or heard something? Love is not selfish. It is not provoked. We see in a world now where the whole idea of the, 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 the things that we are seeing on the news and so forth, people are trying to provoke Christians, Christians and we are falling into that trap because we say, oh, for, uh, eye for an eye and two for a tooth. But Jesus says, yeah, uh, love is not provoked. Does not keep a record of wrongs. That family member that is not a believer or that friend or that colleague and he's wronged you, have you forgiven them? Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. I love this. Doesn't mean we have to accept the lifestyle. Doesn't mean we have to accept the situation, but we still need to show love. Because it says this, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is how we engage with those who do not believe and are doubtful in our lives. And for me, that was a big eye-opener. Like I said, this message is for me because there is a really big struggle to do all of this. Because people know how to push your buttons. And I want to tell you, it's a spiritual war. It's not people knowing how to push your buttons. It's a devil knowing how to push your buttons. He's just using that situation to eat the popcorn and watch you flame out. We are supposed to go with compassion and trust and understanding. We have to respond with compassion. Thomas, shame, poor Thomas. Ryan spoke about him last week, I think, or in one of the services we heard about him. That poor guy's whole Bible story is about him not believing Jesus has risen. Oh, shame, poor guy. But what happened is he says, no, Lord, I need physical evidence that you have risen. I was like, I need to see proof in this Christian thing. And what happens is Jesus didn't go, you unbeliever, I'm going to block you on WhatsApp. I'm going to tell people about what you said to me. You are not worthy to be a Christian. You're a bad person, you unbeliever, false prophet. Jesus didn't do that. TikTok does that. Jesus said, Thomas, come look. Come touch. Come feel. Compassion. Empathy. Love. This is a man who saw Jesus, who knew Jesus. He just couldn't believe in that aspect. He was struggling with that unbelief. And Jesus had compassion on him. Do we do the same? Do we struggle to do that? And I think the reason why we struggle is because we do it in our own strength, in our own way, in our own culture, and not through God. New Life Church, it is not our job to judge the unbelievers. 
Because they do not know who Jesus is. They do not know the love of Jesus. They are not mature to know what sin looks like. Why? Because they don't know what the Bible says. And what we do is we judge the unbelievers and then we're wondering why churches are emptying out and the streets are filling up. Why? Because we find out you first must be a Christian before you come into church. No, 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 no. New Life Church and the local church, and I know we're like this, you come as you are. And then you will show you the love of Jesus first. Don't clap yet. It's too soon. <laughs> Lord, forgive them. <laughs> then we show you the love of Jesus. But we're not going to accept the lifestyle. We trust the Holy Spirit will convict you. I'm not going to agree with the lifestyle. I'm not going to do certain things that's contrary to the... I'm not going to do anything that's contrary to the word. But I will show you Jesus' love. And then through that Holy Spirit that will come through you and start convicting you, you will grow and you will ask the questions. New Life Church, can we stop judging people because they are not in the faith? Brings me to my third point. We need to show a love that respects the unbelievers. How do I respect them? How do I respect them? Matthew 7 verse 12 says, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This is the law and the prophets. Love compels us to treat unbelievers with respect and recognize their worth as a human being because God created them. We have one creator. Certain people didn't come from Mars or Jupiter, even though I believe some women comes from Jupiter. <laughs> My wife is not here, I can say that. We have one creator that created everything and everyone. We need to respect that worth. And you say, Louis, but how do I respect people that are so sinful? How do I respect those who are different? Well, the Samaritan woman at the well is a perfect example. Jesus came to her and he gave into conversation. He was thirsty. He wanted to drink and he started to speak to her normally he didn't go with the plan and saying oh i'm going to call her a devil worshiper unbeliever i'm going to brand her no no he had a conversation and then through the conviction he's asked where is your husband who knowing fully well that she had a didn't have a husband and then jesus through that conviction said go out and sin no more and you know what she did she went out to the town and she declared the love of Jesus Christ. She declared of who he is. And that town got all the information, all the knowledge, all the wisdom about Jesus. And there was a hunger for Jesus. Can you imagine we had a lady here, a prostitute, and we didn't judge her and we didn't condemn her because of her past. Can you imagine if we show the love of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit does the conviction and she goes, I am healed. I don't want to live this life anymore. And she goes to that prostitute houses downtown. And she says, I have accepted Jesus. You need to come and see about Jesus. And those prostitutes came to church and we just show them love and then they get convicted through the Holy Spirit and they go out to the world. How much better would it be? How much better would it be? Because I can preach till death, hopefully for a few more years. I can preach till death, but that testimony of that one prostitute can save a city. But it's up to us to treat the unbelievers and those who do not believe with more respect. Saul, before he became Paul. Can I imagine? I like using the story. I'm going to say, hey guys, we have a guest speaker here today. He's killed children, he's killed women. Yeah, in the middle of Africa, he's actually put up a few torches. He's crucified Christians, burned them to pieces. He's going to be our new senior leader and teacher. What would we do in all honesty? We would say, we don't want that person. He's a warmonger. He must go to a court. He must, we would even go as much, I hope he dies and burns in hell. That's what we do. That's what we say. 
Be honest today. We hope certain people doesn't even see heaven. You're going to be surprised. I promise you now. But here, the same thing happened to Paul on the Damascus road. And the voice of Jesus spoke to him and said, hey, why are you persecuting my people? He didn't kill him right there. He didn't say, hey, you're unworthy of being a Christian. You are unworthy. No, no, no. He made him one of his most, I want to say, prominent soldiers in the faith. Jesus used a criminal who burned people for tortures as the main, one of the main soldiers in the faith in the New Testament. We read this serial killer's words almost every day in our Bibles and we believe them, we sing over them. It was Holy Spirit inspired, I get that. But this is a word of a serial killer and we treat it with so much reverence and I'm like, this is how we should show, show love to unbelievers. We have to show respect. Imagine we did this to those who are persecuting Christians currently. Imagine if we went to an LGBTQ rally and we just showed love and didn't shout some other things. Imagine we, we, somebody comes for help and we don't turn them away because of their beliefs. How much different that would be. What I love about Jesus is he did it face to face. He did it one on one. He spoke love. He spoke truth the whole time. Brings me to my fourth point. It brings us to a love that communicates with clarity and simplicity. Oh my hat, we try to make it so difficult. We make it so difficult. John 18 verse 37 says, You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this. And I've come into this world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is the truth listens to my voice. Jesus used parables. I mean, he was the greatest storyteller ever. I'm envious of that. The way you could take things that was currently happening in that, in that time space and use it as a parable. And the way he had dialogues, even with the religious. I mean, he would always answer a question with a question. I think I'm going to start doing that. So Louis, what are you doing next week? I don't know. What do you think I must do next week? You know, it sounds so intelligent. You know, you didn't, you didn't make the deadline. Are you sure I didn't make the deadline? <laughs> but Jesus was such a good communicator. And what I've seen out of this is that we need to simplify our message. We are making it too difficult even for ourselves. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you repented from your sins, and you believe that he's died, buried, and rose again, and he's your Savior, you are saved. That's it. But now we want to have works here and we have to have these things going and that thing going. And because you have tattoos, you're permanently condemned. And because you stole from us, you are permanently condemned. That's not how Jesus works. We're making it too difficult. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22. To the weak, I become weak in order to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that I may be by every possible means save some. Not all, some. This is Paul. So how, does, how do we do it? Well, the easiest way is your testimony. When last did you share your testimony? How did you get saved? Alcoholic, met a girl, went to church for the girl, got saved, married my wife, have three children, boom, here I am. Diffic not difficult? Huh? Yes. Alcoholic, saved. There we go. So what I do is, I love social media. You should know, I stalk you. And what I do is to reach, to become weak or to reach the lost, I would post on a Monday on TikTok a very interesting verse 
discuss it. Tuesday, a funny. Wednesday, a joke. Thursday, CrossFit. Friday, a message. Saturday, a joke. Sunday, a message. You see what I'm trying to do? So to see people that I'm real, it's not only scriptures. I'm showing that, hey, I can be a funny guy. I think some of my jokes are pretty funny. I think some of the memes I've posted about myself is pretty funny. But then when people are starting to following me because I think I'm a funny guy, I was like, boom, here's what the word says. And then when I think I'm funny again, boom, here's what the word says. So what is my personality? Well, I am there for the people who need some laughter because they're going through a terrible time. But I'm also there to share the truth through Jesus Christ. What is your way? What is your version of doing things? We must keep it simple. But also when you engage and simplify the message, you need to listen to podcasts, to sermons, to equip yourself. You need to listen to things. And listen, guys, you're not going to save all. You're going to save some. Brings me to my last point. We need to love, need to love that prepares for any outcome. I would be devastated when somebody would unfriend me on Facebook. I would be devastated when somebody walked up out of this. If you walk out now to service, just now I'm going to be devastated. Because I used to be devastated when somebody in the middle of the sermon walks out and I'm thinking, oh, shame, that's sad. But at the end of the day, when I look at this and what Paul said here, to save some, you're not going to save everybody. Not everybody is going to accept the love of Jesus Christ. But also sometimes we need to understand that God has got a plan and a purpose and his ways is higher than our ways. So sometimes I will preach something and then I had a guy coffee last week and he said, you remember that message you preached in 2018? I don't even know what I weighed in 2018. Hold on, I ate in 2018. I think I was married. No, I was married. I'm just joking. But I couldn't even remember the message. That's the point I'm trying to make. And he said, for, those, for so many years, I think it's 18, five, for five years, that one part of my message was sitting in with him. For five years. And only then he was like, okay, I need to do something about this. Five years. We don't know what impact our testimony has. We don't know what is happening on the outside world. I don't know what is happening on the TikTok or on, oh, yes, now I sound like an old person, on TikTok or on Instagram when I share stuff or when Ryan shares stuff or when Lazan shares stuff. All that I know is our job as Christians is to get the word out there that Jesus loves you. Come to him. He's the fountain of everlasting life. That is it. I mean, Jesus couldn't save everybody. In his own hometown of Nazareth, and Luke 4, verse 16 to 30, we see that people were like, ooh, Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus is here. But then it turned into rejection. They rejected Jesus. They rejected his identity. And he had to leave the city, well, fled the city. Romans 12, verse 18 says, if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Not only Christians, everyone. Everyone. It means stop showing hate to those who don't believe like us. Live at peace. Stop showing hate to those in a different religion. Live at peace. Stop showing hate to people who don't look like us, think like us, act like us. Don't become a cult, church. I don't believe New Life Church is a cult, but I do see it across the world that churches are becoming these gated communities. Open your doors even wider. You're the body of Christ, not the building. In closing, I want to say this. We first need to have the confidence of Christ's love in our life. You are loved. You are saved. Jesus does love you. Nothing can separate you from that love. You can be bold because Jesus will be with you till the very end of age. You can be cancel cultured. You can be hated. Jesus even says, don't worry if they hate you. They hated me first. 
You can have confidence in that. But when you address the lost, show compassion and patience. Patience when there is doubt and unbelief. Thirdly, treat everyone with respect. Avoid making judgment for those who do not believe and is not in the faith. And love them. Love them. Make it easy for people to understand who Jesus is. You're not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. Be the superhero for Jesus. Not make Jesus... No, wait, I must say this correctly. Make sure you are selling Jesus, not yourself, at the end of the day. And then lastly, you have to surrender as a result to God. It is not your job to save people. It is God's job to do that. You're the conduit of that message. I want to end this with Romans 8 verse 28. It says this, And now, and, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. New Love Church, you are loved. New Love Church, you, Jesus has an unconditional love for you. New Love Church, no matter what you're going through, God is with you. No matter what is in your situation, God is with you. But it's time for us to not only sit here and live a life on Sundays, but we have to look for the lost, look for the doubters, and engage with them, but engage them with, with love. We have an evangelism outreach happening next Saturday. I'm expecting about 400 people to be there. So you can try the practical way of what I just said. You are welcome. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for each and every person. Lord, I thank you that you are in control. I thank you for your wisdom for us. I thank you that you have a love for us. But Lord, I also know that you have a love for those who doubt. You have a love for those who do not believe. And Lord, I pray and I come humbly before you and I'm repenting for myself yet also where I have done it the wrong way, where I've judged or condemned people to a certain scenario that was not of you. And I come humbly and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we will be the church that we see, that Paul established, that we will reach the lost, that we will reach people who are not loved, who are doubting, who are fearful. Lord, I pray that we won't have this, this generalization of people anymore. Lord, that we will see people like you see them. You have created them no matter what they are going through. Lord, I pray that we will stop making it about ourselves and us looking good, but you will make it for you in the kingdom of God today. So Lord, I pray that we will start a harvest for this city. I will say I pray a harvest for those that's online with us today in their communities. That we will show love and not only talk about it. That we will act love and not only uh, talk about it on Sundays. Lord, I pray that we will be the same. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I pray that we will become more like that. Jesus, I thank you for the story of Pilate. I thank you that you have shown us how to react and how to speak and how to love. Lord, I pray for love today. Love wins. And I pray that whatever has happened before, Lord, that's the history, that's the past. You are not condemning us for that. But Lord, I pray that we will focus more on you today and the love you have. In Jesus' name, amen.